Good morning, friends. Grace and peace to you. Happy Easter. I love the fact that the season of Easter or Eastertide is 50 days long, making it 10 days longer than Lent. I think that's a good thing. And I hope that something of God's resurrection hope has been yours in these past days. Next Sunday, we're going to begin a new series of sermons called Stretching the Kingdom, when we're going to be exploring mission and discipleship, inclusion and courage together, and how God's call on our life together to be a blessing is not an easy one, but is as important as ever. This series will carry us through Eastertide and then on towards the end of June, and we'll take a break partway through to celebrate Pentecost. And I'm planning that this series will also include a couple of Sundays addressing our ongoing conversations about sexuality and faith. But for this morning, there's still plenty to explore in the immediate post-Easter days we find in the Gospels. Our first reading for this morning is from Isaiah 56, and then I'll read the whole of John 21. So Isaiah 56, verse 1. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Then John 21. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, for he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they weren't far from the shore, about a hundred metres. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. 
Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And so, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the reflections of our hearts and minds together today be found pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How many awkward conversations have you had this week? Have you had to talk to someone you were hoping to avoid a little longer? Or talk to someone about something you're embarrassed about, perhaps? In these days, I guess we've been scared much of it. Or maybe we've been forced into more of it, depending on who we've been shut down with. But every so often, most of us at some point find ourselves in a tricky conversational spot of one kind or another. Well, just as Jesus and Peter share breakfast together at the beach, there are certainly some things that need to be spoken about, some issues to be dealt with. Peter, the loud, impulsive spokesperson for the disciples who had sworn loyalty to Jesus, had then denied him not once, but three times. And so what's Jesus to do? Well, as breakfast is finishing, people are getting up and about, clearing and chatting. Jesus starts the conversation with Peter. How's Peter feeling in those initial seconds as the conversation begins? What is it Jesus is going to say? The remarkable thing about what Jesus does say, or one of them at least, is that he doesn't say just, you're forgiven, or don't worry about it, or it's all okay. They don't simply skip over it and pretend it never happened. This moment is important. And Jesus then gives Peter a job to do. He expresses his forgiveness in more than words. He embraces him into the fold and gives him one of the biggest jobs ever given to anyone who has ever walked the earth to lead the church at its very inception. Jesus says, feed my lambs, look after my sheep, feed my sheep. Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? Three times, Peter responds with a resounding yes. Three times, Jesus asks, corresponding with the three denials Peter made in the hours before Jesus died. Peter's night of agony and indeed Jesus' own painful evening returns for a moment here but because of jesus agony peter peters can be dealt with this is the lamb that takes away the sins of the world yours and mine and peter's one of the problems many of us face is not that we have a slate to be wiped clean somewhere we know that god has dealt with that but there are still plenty of memories that stick around causing us pain and grief and embarrassment old failings old sores old wounds and these things need to be dealt with too 
So Jesus goes to where the pain is, as he so often does. And he takes Peter aside with a beloved disciple following on behind. They're walking slowly along the shore and he asks the question at the heart of it all. Do you love me? Actually, the words he uses vary slightly. When Peter replies, the word he uses for love is different to the one Jesus used in the first two questions. Then in the third question, Jesus used the word Peter himself had been using. But it's too tempting to get caught up in this and and I think to miss what John is trying to tell us. See, John does tell us in verse 17 that the same question is being asked three times. What matters is that the question is asked and answered. And even more than that, the answer each time earns not a pat on the back or that's all right then, but a command, a challenge, a task to be fulfilled. Time to learn how to be a shepherd, time to feed lambs and sheep and to look after them. Not only is this a fresh commission, not only is Jesus trusting Peter to get back to fruitful work, it's Jesus sharing his own work and ministry with him. He isn't being fobbed off here. This is a gift of trust to a man who probably felt so useless. And bear in mind that they've just spent all night without catching any fish and they were fishermen. They can't even get that right now. This is a gift of trust and it transforms Peter. Once he'd warmed his hands at the fireside, denying Jesus with curses. Now his heart was warmed by the truth that his miserable fickleness hadn't cancelled out his calling. This captures so much of what forgiveness means. It's the wonder of being trusted again by God in the place where we disgraced him. None of us are ever too useless for God, ever. Because we're told in chapter 10, of John's gospel, that Jesus is the good shepherd, the one who has the task of leading and feeding the sheep, guiding them to and from the pasture, keeping them safe. But the words here make it clear that as the Father sent me, so I am sending you, Peter is to share Jesus' task of shepherding. And so here is one of the secrets of all Christian service, yours, mine, lay, ordained, full-time, part-time, whatever it looks like in the service of God. Whatever it is we do, from being an unseen back row, behind the scenes member, to being loud and visible with big responsibilities. If we're going to do any single thing as a follower of Jesus, then it's built more than anything else on there being somewhere deep down in us, a love for Jesus and a commitment to following him. And even though we all sin, we all let him down, he wants us to find that love and to give us a new chance to express it, to heal the hurts and failures of the past, and to give us new work to do. Now, these new things God might give us to do aren't our ways of earning forgiveness. Nothing can ever do that. Our faith is all about grace from start to finish. These are things we do out of joy and relief that we are forgiven, things that we're given to do because we are forgiven. And they're often costly things because Jesus' own work was costly. Things that may mean following Jesus into suffering, perhaps even into death. Thousands of Christians lose their lives every year simply for worshipping Jesus Christ. And Peter will end up completing his task as a shepherd by, in the end, laying down his life for the sheep. Sometimes I... uh, 
take pause or have a moment about some of the prophetic words about the future that are shared in church. And I, firstly, I'm delighted to, that they're being shared. I always rejoice to hear what God might have to say um, to us. But the thing that niggles me is that they always seem to describe good things in the future. In all my years of being around the church, I've seldom heard any words about a tough time that's to come. Usually we focus on blessing and growth and bright horizons and great provision. And then when we look at Jesus' ministry with Peter here as the Gospel of John comes to a close, and it's quite different. Jesus has form on this too. He said that Peter would deny him three times. And here he warns him of tough times that are to come. There's no mention here in these moments of the glorious days to come like Pentecost when thousands uh, will gather and they'll begin their life of faith following the short sermon that Peter gives. These glory days, they aren't mentioned. It's the toughest ones that are. It isn't always easy doing what God calls us to do. And the call on each of our lives, as on Peter's, was not necessarily one to a life of riches and glory, but it is a call all the same. Sometimes the call of God on our lives doesn't look exciting and glamorous. What it requires from us is tenacity and faithfulness. But friends, of course, we know this. This isn't something new for us. We know this truth it's been our reality since we started following Jesus ourselves. And it isn't really any different from the call that drew the disciples together in the first place. Follow me. Now that Jesus has taken the steep road to the cross and proven that death itself is defeated by the life and joy of the new creation, that call goes on. Back when Peter first heard those words, follow me, there was no route map, no detailed plans to share. All Peter knew was that he was being invited to fish for people. In the heady three years that followed, Peter experiences huge ups and downs. He was stunned to see people who were dead breathe again, staggered by the wisdom of Jesus' teaching, baffled as he tried to make sense of it all. Jesus had shown Peter the very best and worst about himself. He'd unlocked the very secrets of the universe to this fisherman from Galilee. But now it's becoming all too clear that all of that is past. Jesus will not be with his friends in person much longer. Now there is a new chapter unfolding, but still there is a call, follow me. For me, it's not three, but 22 years since I decided to follow Jesus. I wonder how many it might be for you today. Perhaps you might tell your story over lunch or with a friend sometime today. Or if you're not in that place, Perhaps you might share your questions and your wonderings and where you are. It'll be different for each of us. Celebrating Easter each year gives us an annual opportunity to ponder that invitation to follow Jesus again. We're different from the people who first decided that we wanted to follow Jesus. And most of us have no idea what's ahead of us. But we press on knowing that Jesus has work for us to do. The task of seeing God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven isn't finished yet. And Peter, well, despite the tough times, he went from strength to strength, still putting his foot in it sometimes, occasionally getting muddled with things. But he loved Jesus and put, all, put his all into the work that Christ had given him to do. And no one could ask for more. 
Jesus certainly never asks for any less. And then as John's gospel comes to a close, we see that John and Peter are going to find themselves on very different paths going forward. They've been together for much of the past three years. And when Jesus commissions Peter, it makes sense that Peter asks Jesus, what about John? In verse 18 and 19, Peter is told that he's going to follow Jesus in being a shepherd to the flock and in dying a martyr's death. And he's seeing if it's just him. I guess we could read the tone of his question in a number of different ways. What about him? Why should he get away lightly? Why I've got the difficult job? I don't think that's that likely going on from the tender and restorative conversation that Jesus and Peter have just had, although you never know. Or what about him? Is John coming too? I'm going to need him to make this work. It's about a sense of togetherness and camaraderie. Or maybe what about him? Asking about the person who's simply the nearest person to them. Aware that this is a big job. And Peter's taking in in these moments how lonely it might be. We can, of course, only speculate. And whatever the reality, Jesus' response is to tell Peter that he's got it under control and that Peter can leave John and the others to him and he just needs to concentrate on following Christ and doing what he's been asked to do. Jesus doesn't say anything concrete about John's future, only that Peter should keep his beak out and leave it to him. And there are times when it seems like a total mystery to us why God calls some people to do certain things at certain times. Perhaps there are even moments when we're bemused, sometimes even if we're honest, envious about what others are doing for God. Part of what we learn here in these verses is that our calling is to be the best one of us that we can be, give our all to what Jesus has called us to do and to put our backs into that rather than worrying so much about others. Jesus has got it under control. And I think Jesus is far less anxious about these things than we are. And I know that Jesus is in the business of turning our lives around, of offering forgiveness for our sins, helping us deal with our past failures and helping us to play our part in the work of the kingdom. And friends, that seems like pretty good news to me. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Even when we deny you, we make bad decisions or we let you down in some other way. There's always the possibility of turning back towards you and being met with open arms. Thank you for calling each of us to follow you. Forgive us when we've only been willing to take on the good and the fun and the joyful parts of that calling and have not been willing to take up our cross. Help us to stay focused on what you've called us to do and who you've called us to be. To appreciate what others bring and not to get preoccupied with what others are doing. Thank you for calling us to follow you. Holy Spirit, help us make that a reality, we pray. Amen.